You're listening to a sermon preached at University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website, upc.org. This morning I want to invite you to think about what needs to change in your life. We're going to meet in our text a guy who's stuck. Jesus is going to do the, the second miracle of healing that is recorded in the Gospel of John. And it's one thing to know that Jesus healed other people. But it's entirely a different thing to believe that Jesus could heal me or you. What needs to change in your life? As Jesus increases and we decrease, there's more of Jesus, less of ourselves in our lives. We're going to grow. We're going to open up. We're going to become the people that he has created us to be and things will change. So I want you to be thinking about that. We're going to open up to John chapter 5. Our text, if this is not just God's word, but God's word to you, then there's an invitation this morning for you and for me. John chapter 5, verses 1 through 9. And if you're not a fourth grader or didn't bring your Bible, uh, pull a pew Bible out and open up to page 866. And if you're able, let's stand together and read God's word. John chapter 5, verses 1 through 9. We'll read it out loud as, a, as his people. And uh, when we're done reading, I'll say, this is the word of the Lord. If you believe it, you can say, thanks be to God. Listen carefully, you're reading his holy word. After this, there was a festival of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now in Jerusalem, by the Sheep Gate, there is a pool called in Hebrew Beth Zatha, which has five porticos. In these lay many invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been ill for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I am making my way, someone else steps down ahead of me. Jesus said to him, stand up, take your mat, and walk. At once the man was made well, and he took up his mat and began to walk. This is the word of the Lord. Heaven and earth will pass away, but what we just read never will. Please be seated. Lord Jesus, you call to us from this word. And so through the power of your spirit... Let us give to you that over which we have lost control that you might say to us, stand, take up your mat and walk. Amen. Matt Immersion went back to business school 15 years after he graduated, and he told the students there about a change in his life that he couldn't make. He graduated from Anderson School of Management, UCLA, Um, 15 years ago, just last month, he went back. He was invited as a speaker to share his story. And Matt, it's kind of an interesting story. I had read about it, uh, but got kind of intrigued. And so I actually called Matt uh, this week and uh, caught him. I got a number for him, called him and said, tell me about the story. Well, he he was um, fairly successful right out of business school. He was in the music industry. He was hired by Robert Kardashian to be executive vice president to produce music. Worked with bands that uh, even I had heard of, U2, Coldplay, Usher, Tim McGraw, Black Eyed Peas, and it was the fast life. But one Monday morning, 
Matt woke up and it all crashed. He had chest pain, couldn't breathe, had enough breath to call the doctor, make his way to the emergency room. And the doc said, no, it's not a heart attack, but it's anxiety. You're living too hard, you're living too fast, and you need to change. And he said, that you, you probably go home and the anxiety will pass. And Matt said, I went home. And the next day, I didn't feel better. Pretty soon, I couldn't sleep. I couldn't eat. I couldn't focus. Couldn't drive anymore. Matt went to a therapist. And she began to work with him around a change that needed to happen in his life. And here's my question to you. Why couldn't Matt change himself? He saw the warning signs. In his own words, he, he, says, he says, all of a sudden, after graduating from Anderson, I was in a different world. To be honest, it was a great run, but it also became an unhealthy run for me. Working hard during the day and then going out, partying at night, your priorities get so skewed regarding what really matters in your life. And it all becomes a very slippery slope. One of these students to know, I couldn't. I could not change. Why can't we do that? Well... Uh, as one of my friends says, no one likes change except a wet baby, and even they cry. <laughs> change is hard for all of us. And so when Jesus looks at this guy who's stuck by the pools of Bethesda, he asks him a penetrating question. Do you want to be made well? And I believe that's the question he has for each and every one of us in some way this morning. Do you want to be made well? Well, do you want that? Now, I heard that and I thought, this is a ridiculous question. What kind of healer? Jesus has some practice to do because, I mean, if I'm this guy and I'm laying there and, and John tells us that at that time, these pools were thought to be healing pools, therapeutic in some ways, red bubbly water. And so all of these invalids, blind and paralyzed, had gathered around, sprawling out on these porches around the pool. And here comes a guy, this tall, walking, robed guy, uh, and, and he looks perfectly healthy. And, uh, and he asks me, do I want to be made well? And I'm thinking, what, are you blind? you got a problem if you can't see that we all want to be made well. That's the dumbest question I've ever heard. Why do you think I'm sitting here? Is this some kind of blame the victim deal? You come here to ridicule us? What do you mean, do I want to be made well? Of course I want to be made well. That's a dumb question. I was talking with a friend of mine who's a... He's a family therapist. Been doing this work, been walking through people's pain for 40 years. He said, George, I first thought, when I saw that question, it was a dumb question too. But after 40 years of walking through pain with people, I've come to see that that question is the most profound question any human being can ask another. It goes right to the depths. Do you want to be made well? We get stuck too. We have complaints. Jesus wants to take our complaints and he wants to turn them into change. Sometimes you're stuck not because the stuck is in you, but because, but because you are in the stuck. That is to say, it's not your fault. Sometimes you're in a mess that has nothing to do with who you are or what you did, except you are the victim. You look around and you say, man, I'm living in a world that's totally racist or somewhat less significant. 
I'm living in a place where the dating scene totally sucks. You know, that's not my fault. That's just a... Or maybe you're saying, I'm living through some real pain. I've lost a child. I've lost a spouse. Maybe you, like this man, have a debilitating illness. You've got a diagnosis that hangs like a sword over your head. And it's not your fault. Maybe you're unemployed and you're looking at the economy and you've been trying for months to get a job. And you go, there are just no jobs. And there are just no jobs. And no one will hire a midlife second career person. Or, or maybe you're in a relationship with someone that you'd really like to make that relationship work. And you're really trying. But they will not listen. What can you do? You're stuck. The stuck's not in you, but you're in the stuck. Sometimes, on the other hand, it's not that you're in the stuck. It's that the stuck is in you. And you look at your life and you go, you know what? I got a sneaking suspicion that I am the guy who's doing this to myself. You know, um, I really would love to stop drinking. And I think I can keep it under control, but I keep going back there again and again. And I find myself angry and I find myself self-medicating. And I tell myself I won't do it again, but I go back. Now, I think I'm the one who's driving myself sick. Or you think, you know, I'm just so self-absorbed. I know I shouldn't be self-absorbed, but I, I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to get there. Why do I always make everything about my life? And what do you think about my hair? <laughs> or you find that... You don't love it, but you're jealous all the time. The people that you care about become enemies to you because you're just feeling so jealous or so critical or you get bored or whatever it is. It's you. You're the one bringing it. No, no, so it's, it's either or it's both. You're in the stuck or the stuck is in you. But either way, you can visualize a desired future. You go, I can see it. That's what it's like not to be stuck. I mean, I can dream. What it mean, would like to wake up one morning and, and see myself unstuck. And that's what it looked like. That's my desired future. I got my present condition. What I think I, I can't do is figure out how to build a bridge. I don't know how to get from here to there. I don't know what it would look like. I don't know how I would ever do it. And Jesus says, do you want to be made well? It's quite a question, really. Nicholas Kristof, the New York Times uh, reporter, went to Cambodia in 2004 and began reporting on the sex trade. I would say young women, but I think they're really girls, uh, teenagers who have been sold into slavery. There's this debt hanging over their head, and they'll probably die trying to work it off. And Kristof interviews many of these girls goes into these brothels, and he tells us about two of them in particular. One's named Shrey Neth, and the other Shrey Mom. One morning, Christoph says, I did a very unjournalistic thing. Filled my wallet with cash, and I went early in the morning to a brothel, and I woke up the pimp, and I said, I'm going to buy Shrey Neth from you. Negotiated $150, and before the guy even really totally woke up, he was gone. They stole away in the dawn. He went to Shrey Mop's brothel, had a harder negotiation with a guy. He talked him up to $203, finally closed the deal. And he said to Shrey Mom, come on, let's go. We've got to go quick. And they made for the door. She couldn't cross the threshold. She was stuck. She said, I, I, I got to get $55 because I pawned my cell phone and I got to buy it back before I go. And he said, your cell phone? She said, yeah, I can't go without my cell phone. Do you have $55? She said, we don't have time to go get your cell phone. We got to go right now. She started crying. She got agitated. She went back into that brothel, closed the door, and bolted it behind her. 
And, and Christoph could hear the other girls begging her to leave, crying, saying, you've got to go. Even the brothel owner, owner joined in and said, you've got to make your way out. This guy is your ticket to freedom. She couldn't do it. She was stuck. Finally, Christoph got her out. But he went back. He did a follow-up trip a year later. Shrey mom had gone back. Probably out of addiction. She said, I'm sorry, I lied to you. I didn't want to return, she said, but I did. Why? Do you want to be made well? When I hear that question, I think, well, obviously Jesus already knows the answer to that question. um, Because I'm complaining all the time. But all kinds of stuff. So he hears my complaints. You know, you say, how are you doing, George? Well, I got to let me tell you how I'm doing. I got all kinds of, kinds of complaints. And, and I call this my prayer life, actually. I'm telling Jesus everything that's wrong, you know, wrong with me and wrong with the world. And I want you to change it. And Jesus goes, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. But George, do you want to be made well? So he's saying, are you willing to pay the price of living your life? If I, if, I, if I were to make you well, would you take that next step? Would you dare to take that next step into that health? What keeps us stuck? What could you and I learn from a guy who's stuck? Well, I want to share with you three things that I think we see in this man, and we see him in our lives as well. Three uh, F words, if you'll pardon the expression. The first one is faulting. This guy resorts to faulting. He's stuck, and he's stuck in his past. See, he wants to replay all the the tapes, all the old stories. It's not my fault, verse 7 says. See, uh, here's the problem, Jesus. Every time I have an opportunity to be healed in these waters, somebody else comes, and they won't pick me up, and they'll get ahead of me, and everybody else is, and he's pointing his fingers. It's him, it's her, it's them. And Jesus doesn't show very much interest in this narrative. Jesus didn't ask him how he got into this predicament. Jesus didn't ask him about the contributing factors. But he's so filled with this narrative of loss and anger and bitterness. That's all he's dealing with. It just bump him and he's looking for someone to, to, to complain to, to tell the story of what everybody's not doing to help me. He's faulting everybody. And, and he's got justification. It's true. Everything he says is true, but it's just not terribly relevant. And Jesus goes right to the heart. I'm not talking with you about your past. I'm talking with you about your future. See, so faulting is just not, it's just not helpful. We come up with all these excuses. I, I said, well, it hadn't been for my childhood or if it hadn't been for that horrible accident we went through. If it hadn't been the fact that I'm just not in the relationship I need to be in to make a difference in this deal. Jesus goes, don't give, me, don't give me your excuses. We don't have time. Faulting. The second dynamic that we see in this man, we see in our, ourselves, is familiarity. You and I tend to get stuck in the present. This is just too familiar for him. John, as the master storyteller, bends over backwards to make note of duration. 38 years this man's been ill. And Jesus can't help but notice as he walks up. I know this man has been here a long time. 38 years is basically a lifetime at this time, right? His whole life, he's been learning to cope with illness. His whole life has been about being, as he becomes labeled here, the sick man. That's his identity. Would anyone give up their identity? Could anyone give up their identity? 
And Jesus says, don't let this get so familiar that it becomes your home. Because I come to bring you a whole different home. It's not that it's comfortable for him. It's that he's become complacent. It's not the system that he wants, but it's the system he's learned to work within. A system in which people are really sick rather than healthy. A system in which people don't really help other people who are sick. A system that when the bubbles belch up, some superstitious little promise, uh, no one's there to bring me. And he's learned to live with that. He's learned to live with the, the alms that people have dropped at his feet or the crumbs of crusty bread. It's not a good life, but it's his life. The technical word for this is homeostasis. We take that from you biologists. Something that's living reaches a steady state. Homeo, same stasis, a status, same status. You and I have adjusted to our status. Cyclopedia Britannica says any system in the dynamic equilibrium tends to reach a steady state that resists outside forces of change. You and I, whether we realize it or not, resist outside forces of change, including Jesus's. We resist him. It's just become too familiar. If faulting is stuck in the past, familiar is stuck in the present. But there's one more thing we see in this guy and in our lives, and that's fear. And if it's possible, I want to suggest to you that you and I can be stuck in the future. Now, that's weird. How do you get stuck in the future? Try that on your roommate. You're just stuck in the future. That's your problem. But it's true because we look into the future and we imagine no matter how bad things are now, something that's worse. That's the thing that keeps most of us from changing. It's not that we love our lives the way they are. I mean, I talk to many of you. You know, we don't necessarily love the way our lives are. But we think that it could get worse, couldn't it? Right? Like, and we don't want to take the risk. Like the guy who's got the genie and the genie says, what do you want? And he says, well, I got a bad knee. I want you to uh, make it like the other one. And he says, Poof. and now he's got two bad knees. And he goes, oh, my gosh, it could always get worse, can't it? Don't do anything. Just stay right where you are. Yeah, that's paralysis. You're stuck. You're stuck in the future. I got a picture of this. I'll show you. I'll describe it for those of you who are listening on the radio. Here's a guy. He's in jail. There are only two bars, and he's holding on to those bars, and he could just step to the right or to the left, but he's imprisoned in his own world. And that happens to us. Jesus isn't asking you to change your world. He's just asking you to take the next step and let him change you. I mean, these are real complaints. And sometimes I know from experience, Jesus doesn't always change our world, doesn't always change our context, certainly not at the speed at which we would like him to do. But he can and always will change us if you let him make you healthy. And if you take that next step, there's a great movie out now. It's probably just at the tail of its run, but I checked. You can actually in Kirkland watch this movie if you want to see it now. But I'm guessing that most of you haven't seen it. I saw it by accident, uh, if that's possible. And um, it, but if you were French, if you lived in France, you would have seen this movie. It was a blockbuster in France, 10 weeks, top of the chart, major grossing right out of the bat. It's called uh, uh, The Intouchables, which is an English word, the, uh, on a French word, intouchable. Not untouchable, but intouchable. Um, Antouchable, the untouchables. And it's about two men who ha have become untouchable. They will not let anybody touch them. Uh, one of the men is a white, wealthy French aristocrat, Philippe. He's become untouchable 
because of tragedy. A hang gliding accident left him a quadriplegic. His wife died and they were childless. So now he's alone and he's, he's, he's a victim. And he begins to see himself as a victim and, and he isolates himself. The other character is named Driss and he is a <clears throat> black North African immigrant who is also a victim of marginalization, social discrimination that has left him unemployable. He's living in a ghetto, and he cannot help his aunt or his cousin as his cousin drips into gang life. He has become untouchable because he has not seen himself as somebody who has anything to offer anybody else. Philippe and Driss see themselves as trapped or stuck in this place until they meet one another, which is where the fun starts. As it happens, Philippe needs to hire another caregiver. Driss needs a third signature on a failed job application so he can collect his welfare checks. Neither really wants to connect with anybody else, and yet circumstances bring them together. And there's kind of a funny scene where there's been this montage of interviewees coming through Philippe's study, these pasty white faces of people that are all sort of obsequiously trying to follow all over themselves to convince Philippe that they just love handicapped people. And if I have a flaw, it's really that I probably care too much. I'm too nurturing, you know. And then comes Driss, who could care less about the job, who could care less about Philippe. He's very offensive to Philippe and everybody else in the room. And guess what? Strangely, he ends up getting the job. And so what happens is these two men hold up a mirror to each other's life in which they go, I see your life, and I see that it doesn't have to be this way. Do you really want to live this life, or would you like to be made well? It's a fascinating story. And it's our story. Nora Ephron, when she gave a commencement address a few years ago to Wellesley College, she says, above all, be the heroine of your life, not the victim. And Jesus is the one who offers us the opportunity to make that happen. Jesus does. Because Jesus is the victim who increases and becomes Lord. And he'll do that in your life and in my life as well. We can become the heroines or the heroes of our own lives if we step out into health. What would health look like in your life? What if Jesus this morning brought you here to church to coax out of you so graciously, so gently, to coax from out of you health, real health, the kind of health you've dreamt about, maybe you've seen in other people, but you've never thought you could actually experience it yourself? What if Jesus is calling you? He knows the hurt. He knows the pain. He knows the wounds and the brokenness of our life. He knows all the I can'ts. He knows all the complaints. But what if he's saying to you, without raising his voice and very quietly, you, friend, I want you to stand up, take up your mat, and walk. Take the next step. What needs to change in your life? What's untouchable in your life? Maybe you've even said to Jesus, I don't want you to touch that. The key to the question is not really the question, it's the one who's asking it. It's Jesus who can do this. And he won't always change the circumstances, but he, but he will always change you. I got an email two weeks ago, a little over two weeks, from a dear friend of mine, one of my best friends, it's very sad because um, 
he's struggling with cancer. We thought, we thought we'd prayed him out of it, that he'd been healed. But he, it's coming back. And it just looks like his body is betraying him. But at the same time, he's getting physically worse. He's getting spiritually healthier. It's, it's an unbelievable thing to watch. It's so beautiful. And this is what he said. He gave me permission to read a little bit from his email. He says, I have a confession and a prayer request. After my lymphoma diagnosis two years ago, I began to see my life differently. I began to change. Whereas I had focused on my career too much, suddenly my perspective was refocused. God was gracious throughout that process, even when I lost my previous position because of his illness and adopted a new position. But over the last several months, maybe even a year, I have often reverted I've complained to myself and my wife about wanting more responsibility at work. I've kept my eyes on the stock price, ascribing to it the hope for our retirement rather than keeping my eyes on Jesus' call for me. And after reading through the Bible in a year, I've slacked off, as though meditating on his words has more to do with the acquisition of knowledge than an ongoing relationship. God is calling me to repent, and I am grateful to God for his care and for drawing me near once again. When you have cancer, and they tell you it's a 50-50 chance, and you can say, I am grateful to God for what he's doing in my life, you're stepping towards health. When I think about Jesus being the one who's asking the question, all of my excuses start to evaporate. They just don't make any sense. You can argue nature or nurture or whatever you want, but this is Jesus. Remember, Jesus, the Son of God, he's the one who redeems the past. So there goes faulting. He says to you, behold, I make all things new. He's the one who frees us from the present. So there goes familiarity. He says, I came so that you might have life and have it abundantly. Jesus is the one who guides us into the future. Jesus says to you, you follow me. and I'm going to take you places. And I will never leave you. And I will never forsake you. And there goes fear. So friends, what's the next step for you? Just in closing, I want to share with you the good news that Jesus changed Matt Immersion's life. A wonderful story. He got unstuck. It took the patience of a counselor who, he didn't know this at the time, she turned out to be a Christian. And she listened to his story. She saw great narcissism in his life, in, in the music industry as he experienced it. And she said, here, I think, Matt, is going to be the theme of your recovery. It's not about you. And he's like, what? He says, yeah, the theme of your recovery is going to be, it's not about you. And here's your first assignment. She says, I want you to go and paint over graffiti. And so that week, she had him painting over graffiti. Came back. He, he wanted wisdom from her. She said, oh, no, here's your next assignment. I want you to go feed homeless people. And so he went out and started feeding homeless people. Week after week, then he, he said, I, I want you to pick up trash uh, around the neighborhood in the city. And he did that. Step by step, he's taking a step closer. And he begins to realize, I'm stepping closer to Jesus. And she's connecting my heart to the heart of Jesus. And as Jesus increases, I am getting healthier. I'm beginning to change. So excited, Matt Immersion has written a book called um, Mondays Matter. 52 ways to make a difference. 
And uh, this has gotten, God's gotten a hold of this guy. He's syndicating a column for Oprah, of course, and over 400 newspapers across the country. He's written a curriculum for kids, K through 12. It's being used in 1,400 schools across 42 states. And it's all about a change that he couldn't make, but a change that Jesus could make and can make and will make if you and I take the next step. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for how gentle you are with us. But thank you also that you love us so much, you are willing to blow up our comfort zones, to call us into new life. We say to you in prayer this morning, we do want to be made well. Whether that means for us we're willing to turn towards you and believe for the first time, or whether that means for us we're willing to do something you're calling us to do, to stop doing something we really should stop, or even just find rest and slow down enough to know who we are in your love. Speak to each of us now. You're calling us to be fully alive. Thank you. Amen. For more UPC audio or to find out about service times, visit us at upc.org. All online audio is available on CD and cassette. To order copies of sermons and classes, please visit upc.org slash audio, email audio at upc.org, or call 206 524 7301 extension 117.